from the Carter Subaru Studios, this is the Jack and Spike Show. At over $100,000, fewer people want this particular job. I think Mr. Curley might want this job because he'd be great at it, or at least he could play one on TV. Should Seattle remove encampments? Advocates debate. Pretty much they all say no. Just leave them there. But before we get to all that, not unusual. It's not unusual to be loved by you and Spike. How are you, Mr. Curly? Are you yeah, well? I'm well. Have you not? I would take that job as a cop in a second. In fact, we did a story on the John Curly Sherry Elliker show about a 61-year-old guy that just passed all the rules and uh, the academy stuff and just got hired as a police Really? Officer. 61? They don't have an age restriction. No. They do have physical requirements, though, right? Yeah, but John's 88 years old, and I think that it would be great for John to go in there and break the record as the oldest police officer in That guy just retired. He was 96 years old. He was in a town, I think, somewhere in the Northeast. Yeah. So, John, why do you think even at $112,000, nobody wants to be a cop? Do you think it's... Dow Constantine and the city council. That's why. Yeah, but it's new city council. Right. And it's, I'm just saying that Seattle's a nice place to live. I live in Seattle. It's a lot uh-huh. of opportunities for people. Do you think mm-hmm. that it's just that the, the, the SPD has kind of lost its, its shine? It's lost its allure for people to come and be a police and the officer in the Emerald City? Sure, absolutely. Why would you want to work there? You can work anywhere else. You can well, do John, I'm calling you right now That's to join us. Yeah. Please, I, John, I, I would join do us. It's a two-mile two run. you got to do a certain number of push-ups and sit-ups and pass the test. I, I went out a couple times, well, a lot of times, with Dave the Cop, my buddy who's now retired. He left like so many others have left. I really liked it, and I dressed as a sort of a undercover cop. I had fun, and Dave had me take um, yeah, statements from people. I was really into it until one guy goes, wait a minute. Aren't you the guy from Evening Magazine? I was like, that doesn't matter. I still need to know what kind of what, what did the guy look like? The guy that punched you? No, I would love to be a police officer. It'd be so much fun, but not in Seattle. Absolutely not in Seattle. Do you think there needs to be changes made to police procedural capabilities before anybody will sign on to Seattle's? It has to really come down to the fact that that we who was a recent city council member just elected. He used to work in the Navy, and he said, I think two weeks ago, look, just give us a, just give us some time. We're going to change things around, and then we're going to have people applying for jobs. If they can sense, I just talked to a buddy of mine, chief of police. I won't name the city, and he told me nobody wants to work there. The primary problem is the city council and Dal Constantine. So you can go work somewhere else. You won't make quite as much money, but you won't have somebody hanging over your shoulder, screaming at you, suspending you, you know, causing you all sorts of problems, throwing you in jail, or whatever else it is. It just wouldn't be a good place to work. Go somewhere else. So they are going other places. Well, we were just talking about those three cops in Pierce County who decided to take off they voluntarily left uh the police force after the you know the manny ellis fallout now the yeah the, who's looking into it again there's a there's another the feds the feds are going to come feds in yeah they're going to do a, a, a federal department of justice investigation and it. those three men decided that they were going to leave and i'm thinking to myself like look at the places that have healthy police departments and look at the places that don't have healthy police departments and what's the difference between those two things like there's there's still bad cops who are prosecuted in places who have healthy police departments. I just don't think that they're scrutinized to the degree and demonized to the degree that they are in Seattle. Just as an example, BPD, Boston Police Department, 
is under an intense amount of oversight and there's, you know, internal affairs because it's a big police department, right? It's like right. 1,400 men and women. Are they still federally over as an overview? I'm not sure, but, over, but no. the, 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 they are part of the city in the same way that NYPD is part of the city. It's almost like it's almost inseparable as a culture. That, that, that culture doesn't really exist in, in Seattle with its police force. No, not anymore. In fact, it, prior to um, 2000, right about two weeks before uh, George Floyd, Minneapolis story breaks, uh, Seattle was seen as like the place to come and train. This, pla- this place was getting all sorts of acknowledgments as turning itself around, knowing how to control crowds. Um, they were seen as like the police department in the United States that had really, you know, had a culture that was there to serve and protect. And then two weeks later, all of a sudden, all those cops are racist. And the city council is demanding that we defund them because don't forget all police are racist. Who wants to work for them? You don't want to work for those people when you're assumed already guilty because, one, you're a male, and, two, you're white. You've got two strikes against you, according to that city council. And it's still the culture that exists, or at least perceived by the people who could possibly work somewhere. Go work in uh, Linwood. Go work in Redmond. Go work in Bellevue, where you're respected and people like you and they... Uh, they want you there. They don't want you in Seattle. Well, Seattle people vote with their feet. They, they leave. They, yeah. They're like, I think, you know, they keep telling you the number is 900. It's below 900. That's not a real number how many police officers they have. It's wow. below 900. I thought it was like 680 something at this point in time, was my understanding. <laughs> it was yeah. really bad. Um, Crazy. Which well, is, will, will we always be the city of CHOP? Will we always be the city that surrendered its precinct? I think so. I think take, that's going to take a decade, maybe two, to really go away. Right? Well, Minneapolis did too. Minneapolis gave up their precinct and let it uh, burn to the ground because the mayor demanded it. And those guys had to leave and all those cops left and they uh, they burned that place down. Hey, speaking of burning, by the way, John, there was that fire that happened on Friday outside of that gallery, Danielson's Gallery in Mm. Pioneer Square. And now the conversation has moved towards uh, getting rid of encampments. Now, Mayor Bruce Harrell. He had a campaign promise to keep parks, sidewalks, and public spaces open and clear of encampments. I was down by Mopop the other day, and what wow. I saw was a nice, it's kind of like a tent mansion, if that makes any sense, where someone had, they had a tent, and then right next to that, they had one of those pop-up overhangs that people take to football games, and they had a tarps on on either side of wow. it, and then they had a nice Accessory little, dwelling unit to their tent. They had a propane tank that was hooked up to a nice heater. It was also uh, powering something that they were able to run their fun little electronics through. And I thought to myself, that's uh, that's on sidewalk and people are having to walk around it. I'm not sure if the mayor is exactly keeping with his promises, being that there's that ma- basically a mansion. I mean, I pay a lot of money to live in Seattle. That person had all the amenities I had, including floor yeah. to ceiling windows. So what's the deal? <laughs> Tarpington Arms, they called it. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they're exactly keeping up with their promises when you see that. And so, well, now- it's great because the Supreme Court on Friday ruled that they will take this case up. Do you have a right to camp in uh, uh, sidewalks and camps and you know parks and things like that? So now the Supreme Court has said, yeah, you know what, we're going to rule on this one. So it will give California, it will give Oregon, it will give Washington uh, at least the strength to be able to say, sorry, it's not cruel and unusual to ask you to get the hell off the sidewalk. Get out of here. I had so, this uh, I had this observation, John, and I, I was curious if because you travel a lot. You're no. going around doing your auctions as the world's most famous charity auctioneer. Mm-hmm. And 
Thank you. When I was walking around, I just kind of went on a, a longer walk, and I, I kept seeing different kind of pockets of homelessness. And I was thinking to myself, in the pockets that I saw, it's not as bad as San Francisco in terms of density, because in San Francisco, it's incredibly dense. Mm-hmm. But in terms of it being derelict, and I don't mean that in a, in a pejorative way, I just mean the absolute destitution of it. it it's What I saw was basically encampments that are surrounded by garbage where people are usually taking bikes apart or usually taking other objects apart right. to sell but it it seems so filthy I, it just seems so in a, and I, again I'm not trying to be mean I'm just trying to observe I'm, I'm not trying to judge that's my new thing it mm. just seems so disgusting from the from the perspective, his non-judgment is getting more and more severe no, wh- as we go what through the story. Mean, what I mean, no, I is hear you. The, it's re- it's repulsive. Is that the people who are in those circumstances are comfortable living that? Because I'm thinking to myself, when I was homeless, I did everything. I was going to the community college to take showers. I was going to the Y. Mm-hmm. I was doing whatever I could to maintain a certain level of presentation. Have least impact on your environment? The least amount possible. I had everything contained in a backpack. What What was your homelessness situation, if you don't mind me asking? Were you sleeping on couches? Were you... Like in an encampment situation so, like this? So ba- my homelessness situation was basically I was living out of a backpacking backpack that a friend of mine had bought for me from REI. And I was it was in Monterey, California for about 12 months. So on the during the nicer months, I was able just to take a little walk down the beach. And then there's no houses around here. And I just dig a little trench in the sand. And then here I am <laughs> for the evening. Wow. And then if I needed to find somewhere that it was like, rough it was the hostel or which was like 35 dollars a night if i was lucky or i would call one of my rotating group of friends and i would go on one of their couches but it wasn't exactly like i told john this story one time john if you'll permit me a friend Mm -hmm. of mine said you can come stay at my house and his girlfriend was like he's not staying in our house because i'm not going to have that drug addict in our house so he had me sit in his car in front Ooh. of their uh, house. In her side, though, right? I mean, in her yeah, side, yeah, right. <laughs> that's smart guy. So yeah. I spent the whole day, because it was raining and it was storming in Monterey, spent the whole day chain-smoking cigarettes and smoking heroin and listening to NPR. And I had this moment at that point in time where I'm in this little car, and I'm looking around at all these people. I'm looking at their nice, warm houses, and I thought to myself, I can't live like this anymore. And th- weirdly, that lady... Who, my friend's girlfriend, who was like, get him out of here. He's addicted to heroin. She gave you your bottom. She gave me that yeah, moment, yeah, yeah. and I will be forever thankful for her for that. Because after that, I made a commitment to myself that I wasn't going to get off of drugs, but I for sure wasn't going to be homeless. So I turned it all around. But, John, have you noticed that, that the, the, the kind of derelict nature that we see in Seattle? It seems to be a little bit different than almost anywhere else. There's a little bit more of like a... And again, I'm not, I'm not. What are you offended by? You offended by the garbage? I mean, no, it's if you not think that of I'm Maslow's, offended. think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, right? right. Self actualization. But at the bottom, it, it's just the three basics. Do you have food? And you have shelter. And if you can answer the questions, yes, I can eat, and yes, I have a place where I don't freeze to death. Once you get down to the basics of like just what you need, not what you want. And human beings are reduced to the the, the most sort of animalistic of needs being met then you don't really need anything else. Really, you don't. You still had this desire that I'm better than this, and you saw that the eyes of the woman judging you, you thought, well, she's right, and I am I deserve better. I see myself as something other than this. But once you sort of spiral down and have your basic needs met, 
and you and you see the work done by Jonathan Cho and from others, they walk up to people and they say, do you want to get off the street? Do you want to go to a shelter? No, I have everything I want right here. Mm-hmm. I've got a place where I'm warm because I've got propane tanks that I've stolen from someplace. <laughs> and I've got food mm-hmm. from a, a place down the street that's going to feed me. And I can get, I can turn, I can steal some stuff and pay for drugs or I can uh, turn a trick. I can have sex and I can get 10 bucks and I can get this. So your basic needs that you're seeing human beings reduced to their most basic level. But then they come in and you say, do you want to move? They said, no, this is my family. This is my community because the guy in the tent next to me, you know, I can talk to. So every, you have the needs met and you don't have anybody else wanting anything else or aspiring to anything else above just the basic needs. And we're we're providing that for them. We're letting them stay on the sidewalk and we have nice people that cook meals for them and take meals to them. And hand it out so you're warm, you're fed, and you just take a dump down the, you know, couple tents down. You take your garbage, you throw it out, and then we spend 6 to $7 million a year picking up all your garbage. I mean, it's really nothing more than way, the way my teenager, Ra, used to live in his room. <laughs> Seriously. I've experienced the same with my kids and until, yeah, until you stop enabling you. them. Right. 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 I remember right, what right. I said to Rye once, Rye, will you cut the grass? He goes, no. I said, well, I'll give you 10 bucks. He goes, I don't need 10 bucks. All my basic needs are met. Oh, <laughs> it's no. like, well, okay, well, there okay, you go. It's when you no go one's going to cut the grass. Put a padlock on yeah. the fridge. See how long that there program was a, last year? There was a documentary yeah. that was made about a decade ago, and it was about opiate addicts in Holland during um, tulip season because the, it, around these flowers, some of these people grow uh, poppies. And so what Ooh. these heroin addicts would do is they would live adjacent to these massive fields of poppies, and then every so many days they would go in, and they would try to find the bulbs that weren't developing properly, and they would slice them and cut them, and then they would remove, extract the, the opium from them, and they would go and they would cook it in these camps, and they did this for like three months every year. Crazy thing about these camps was minimal crime, a lot of drug use, don't yeah, get me wrong, yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, minimal crime, minimal garbage, because they didn't want to be kicked off. And the farmers put up with it because these guys and these women weren't taking the the healthy poppies that they wanted to pick and then you know sell they were taking the ones that they weren't going to use anyway and weirdly they ne- they never had any issues now it that documentary makes me think for some pe- for some of these people i'm just curious because there was an article that was written about this if you offer some of these people actual pharmaceutical drugs in combination with shelter would they want to leave and then eventually you, you segue them into rehab, and then eventually you segue them into reintegrating into society. Do you think that would work, John, or is that too idyllic? Somebody has to get the bottom, just like Spike pointed out, that, that you sitting in the car listening to NPR, I'm sure you're also donating to their telephone. Oh, of course uh, I was. To see his backpack collection. Heroin. Right, yeah. right, you know. Right, <laughs> right. <laughs> you, you have to believe that there's something better. One of the most profound moments I saw when I used to do work at uh, Fair Start, on Thursdays, he used to have graduation. This guy was 52 years old. He's standing there on the steps. He had just graduated, gone through the program. He had failed twice through the program, so it took him almost two years. And he stood up there and he said, I'm 52 years old. I have accomplished nothing in my life. Everything I have set out to do, I have failed. From the time I was in grade school, I failed everything. This is the first thing I have ever, ever accomplished that I've seen all the way through with the help of others, but mostly upon my own initiative to make a better life for myself. And then with that, everybody applauded. And then Tom Douglas got up and gave him a job. And then when they had to have cuts and they had to get rid of people because of the economy slipping into the into the adult in 2008 2009 the people that worked at that restaurant in seattle for tom douglas all uh 
gave up vacation days and sick days and gave it back so that Tom had the money to keep this guy on staff because he was the last hired, so he'd be the first fired. So everyone there at the restaurant gave up something so this guy could keep going. They saw the value in him lifting himself up, and they wanted to be there for him, not, you know, by the own sort of, not his own fault that all of a sudden somebody had to lose their job so the people continue to support him but you watch a 52 year old man break down in tears to, to explain that he's done nothing in his life that ever amounted to anything but now finally he has done something someone has to be there to at least give the hand but then you have to have the effort to pull on that hand and pull yourself up and and that's what stops so many of these people that have you know been reduced to just their basic needs being met a place to poop, something to eat, and a place to stay warm. Well, I think to the, I know we got to go, but to that point, you, you got you can't scrap programs because some people will always abuse. Yes, the opportunity to improve. I by the way, my, my buddy, my buddy in Linwood just wrote uh, Linwood Police six vacancies right now, six vacancies in Linwood. Thank you, Mister Curley. We'll check in with Bye-bye. you on Thursday because now John Curley can be heard on this fine radio program. Two times a week. We all donate a vacation day so we, we all can donate. make this happen. It's <laughs> worth it. The rising I, I tide. I called him with tears in my eyes, and I said, sir, I can't believe they indicted you. Oh, wait, that's Trump's story. <laughs> Sorry. that's No, that's not the way that happened. Hey, streaming Dennis Chief. <laughs> I said, sir, Unbelievable. I need thing. you on this radio program two times a week. Coming up next, Savant Children. Why are they at higher risk for mental problems than any other kids? There's a story about this 14-year-old college graduate. Parents are super happy. Oh, our servant child. He's a little genius. I got to tell you why I would never want to be a genius baby. It's not good. We'll talk about it when we get back right after this. Oh, man, I just kind of want to... Such a good song. Roll with it. Are you familiar with this? No, this is great. It's Queens of the Stone Age. Oh, oh nice. Wait, Andrew, up. can we can we keep that? Can we? I know that? we yell at him it's for leaving it up. A, we yell at him for bringing it down. Yeah, can we bring it up a little bit? It's such a good riff. My God is the Sun. Oh man, what a great record this was. You know the thing about Josh Homme that was so interesting as a guitar player is that he was taught basically how to play guitar like by a polka guy. Really. <laughs> so, and you can hear it in the way that he writes riffs. Anyway, thank you, Andrew, for that, because I am deeply upset. Music soothes I, the savage I beast. Thought, I thought that we lived in America. I thought that we lived in a country of rules and of laws, mm-hmm. and that anyone who tries to break those rules or laws are, are traitors. They're treasonous to the republic. Okay. And what I just heard, whatever psyop I just heard... From whatever news network we use, uh-huh. talking about the price of forever stamps going up, which she said with a smile on her face. Caught that too, huh? Yeah, I heard it. A little bit of that old duper's smile that we were talking about last week, the old liar's smile when you know you're doing something you shouldn't be doing. She's and you know laughing. you're getting away with it. Yeah. She's laughing yep. in our face. Right all the way to the post office. That somebody, some shady G-man, big, big male out there think that big stamp think that they can just big postal big postal <laughs> think that they can just come in and raise the price of forever stamps by two cents what is this nazi germany i refuse to live in this kind of, of element spike get on my level with this you're laughing right now well, this is no, serious I, I only laugh <laughs> i only laugh because i saw this coming 
Oh, yeah, I, I bought forever stamps at twenty nine cents. That's what you should. I done. have. A, I no, not should have. I did. I have a storage <laughs> unit filled to the ceiling with forever stamps at twenty nine cents. Yeah, and they're not. They're not until we raise the price stamps. Exactly. They're forever stamps. I can use them forever. Right. I pay four hundred bucks a month to keep them safe and dry. It's stupid. I know. But I got, I got it's a worthwhile stamps. investment, though. Now, it's, a it's, worth- it's up to 69, 68 cents a, a pop to mail a letter. What is this? What is? I have things I need to mail in the post box. What do people do with mail? They send it. They send it to the <laughs> okay. Yeah, they take it to the post office. I have things that I need to send, and you're talking about where is this two cents going? To pay for big stamps propaganda, big postals <laughs> propaganda. They're lining their pockets with John and Jane Q taxpayers' money. I won't stand for it. Laura's over there laughing about this. You're in on it, Laura. Don't get you don't get it twisted, Laura. I, I see what you Zoomers are doing with your socialist nonsense. Forever stamps are supposed to be good forever. That's not sixty-eight stamp, sixty-eight cent stamp right. or whatever well, it she, is. Didn't she say that you can still use them? Now, she must have been referring to the average stamp that was priced at 66. Sure. You can right. still use them after the price increase, but buying new ones will be 68. And again, that's why I bought them at 29. This I mean, is I, sure, I sold all my Microsoft to buy a couch back in 1990, <laughs> and I feel stupid about that. I'll give you that. But I, I cashed in and held those forever stamps. But this is insane. I won't stand yeah. for I'm it. I'm losing it over somebody, here. Guys. Somebody, get me, somebody get me Biden on the phone. I need to, I need to hammer this no, it's, out. It's, it's, it's nap time. You can't talk to him now. Oh, it is 2.30. Yeah, no, I, oh, Congratulations, if Burge. If he's back in D.C., he's already down for the night. It's at 5, 5.30 back east. He's down for the night. I'm just saying. You know, there was... Uh, my grandmother was a very reactive woman. She was the kind of woman that would a two cent increase on on stamps would have Freedom. sent her over the edge. And so, uh, at, well, you remember the show Soul Man? Do you remember that show? It was Dan Aykroyd, mm. and he played a a Catholic priest who had a family, and he was like his sister's family had passed away. Oh, okay, so, okay. I do, I do. Yep, there. Yep, yep, yep. Dan do, you, do you remember what I'm talking about? And so Soul Man was like, it was on for like a season before it got canceled because right. it was just filled with like religious jokes that weren't very funny. Yeah. And yeah. so they they canceled the show. And I remember my grandmother, Tool Time ends, Home Improvement ends, and she wants the newest episode of Soul Man. And it turns out that it's something else. And so she very aggressively opens up the TV guide and she said, remember the TV guide? <laughs> the paper version? The yeah, paper version. And she's thumbing through it. It's got John Madden on the cover and she's thumbing through it and she's trying to find Soul Man on the schedule and she sees that it's gone. She did no less than 30 minutes on I'm going to write a letter. It's, I'm going to, someone get me the CEO. This is unacceptable. Now, this is a woman who's in her late 60s, probably weighs about 300 pounds, two bad hips, two fake knees, and she's talking about going to NBC Studios or whatever it is. Formal protest. <laughs> Formal protest. I'll be outside the window of today's show. Over Soul Man. <laughs> And people need to realize that empirically there is no difference that the rage that my grandmother Carol felt at the loss of Soul Man than what people felt when Donald Trump lost the election in 2020. Same same type of passionate. Same passionate yeah, rage. The loss. I'm going to do something about this and no one's going to stop me. This is not good. This is bad, right? This level of reactivity that people have towards any instance out there, this level of, of, of outrage that people have. It's funny. It's hilarious, but at the same time, I think that people need to recognize like that mechanism is not a good mechanism. It's not right? healthy. It doesn't do you any good to be that fired up over anything. Stamps, TV shows. You know, by the way, you know that sometimes it works. 
know that show, uh, Tim Allen's show where he's the conservative, the very Trumpian last man oh, standing? Oh, last man standing. Yeah, great show. It was show. canceled until public outcry. Really? Yes, got canceled. Public outcry calls them to, to recognize the audience was there, not being served, and they, they made more. I will say the that show... I don't think a lot of people saw it, but the writing on that show was very tight. Very, it was, very good it, writing. It was very good writing, and it was I, very funny. I'm not a fan of the point of view, but I love the comedy in that show. Well, he played yeah, it yeah, so yeah. well. Yeah, conservative dad. Yes, yes. And, he, and like, he's navigating pronouns, and the, the bits were good, which I think it goes to show, like, unfortunately, most conservative comedy now tends to be 96 pronouns. Boop, boop, boop. It yeah, tends yeah, to be yeah, pretty yeah. lame. But if you can craft a good joke around kind of conservative ideology, it's universally funny. He had uh, two kids. One was very pronoun fluid. Yes, yeah, yeah. The other yeah. one was the other one was him. The other one was him with a skirt on. <laughs> right. And Nancy Travis was. I love Nancy Travis. Yeah, His yeah, wife, yeah. Love yeah, yeah, her. Yeah. Much underrated actress. I think. Anyway, old fart guy time. Well, I mean, I think the problem is, is with with content and with media and with this kind of thing, is that people now feel like they can't laugh at like the Dave Chappelle special that came out, R- the Dreamer. Right. Not that, allowed to laugh that, at what you find funny because right. it might offend somebody. That special, start to finish, is a very good comedy special. And it's not even really conservative comedy, but it is kind of center right in a lot of the perspectives that are that are portrayed. And it's just genuinely funny. I saw this story about people telling Netflix that they had to remove Dave Chappelle's entire catalog. And I'm thinking, okay, fascists, like, can't we just like have a yeah. good laugh every so often can't we just have a good show don't you don't want cancel culture but get that off my tv exactly Please. exactly it's Hypocrisy. it's this kind of thing that we can't uh, we just can't have we didn't get to this boy genius but that's okay because laura almost froze to death over the weekend and i think she needs a i think you gotta I think you gotta learn about weather laura oh no is this going to activate a Jack Dad voice? I think maybe. <laughs> I think maybe. Well, Sleeper cell, I'm, Jack Dad. I'm bathed in guilt because we were going to talk about this earlier, and I had to pat myself on the back for stopping a water from my neighbor's house <laughs> for 10 minutes. Okay, so <laughs> sorry, I'm, Laura literally almost froze to death, and we're going to hear the tale of how Fernando Castillo saved Laura from a fate worse than death. Which is death. Which is death. We'll talk about it when we get back. <laughs> the only right thing after worse than death. <laughs> Man, Fox News loves to do promos about crime. This is always the part of the show where I just look up and I see the five and I see, see like, why does Fox News ever talk about crime not involving black people? Why do they always, why is it always black man does this, black guy does this, this is what we're going to feature, this is what we're going to focus on? Why is that? Well, that's, that's not always, it's not, sometimes it's brown man. Sometimes brown, sometimes brown, man. Sometimes brown yeah, yeah, but yeah, I'm just yeah. saying, you, you, you know, white guys commit crime too. Do you know what I mean? Like you could throw a couple yeah. white guys in there every yeah. so often, Fox News, I think that'd be suitable. So Laura uh, was decided this uh, weekend that she was going to go, it was her birthday weekend, which we're not allowed to acknowledge. No, we didn't. We and steered clear. Thank you. So you, you, you and Francisco oh. decided to go where? Uh, Bahamas? To the Meadow Valley. Mm, I have sorry. no idea where that is. <laughs> That's <laughs> Eastern Washington, north of uh, uh, north of Seattle. Uh, I mean, it's, it's north north of <laughs> right. everywhere but Santa. It's it's beautiful country. Okay, um, high desert country along the Columbia River. Okay, north of Lake Chelan, north okay. of uh, north of Wenatchee. Mm-hmm. So you and Francisco get in the car, and you're driving, and I'm presumably it's awful weather. Yes, 
It was fine. We made it over the pass okay. Between okay. blizzards, you picked yeah. a good window to get <laughs> yeah, over and back. Yeah, the window. roads were cleared. Roads were open. We got in at, at sunset, and we'd oh. been in the car. I mean, it was a long drive. It took us like six hours. We were oh. going slow. Very romantic. Was um, he playing classical guitar? And He played guitar while feet. we drove. Yeah. Yes. I yeah. kid you not. Wisping his hair in the back. Yes. Right? <laughs> it's a convertible and 17 degrees up, but the hair is yeah, worth it. It's got to be blowing. <laughs> yeah. And then Francisco and you, you decide that you want to go snowshoeing. Snowshoeing at sunset. Yeah. yeah. It was your birthday wish. And, and my die. One, my one birthday wish after being in the car all day. Uh, you didn't, I no you didn't I- build a fire, hop in a hot I, tub or something? I had or? no idea we were walking. Well, we'd been in the car and we were like, let's stretch our legs. And no, that's, Here's that's the thing. Smart. Sun's setting and all the mountains are pink and glowy. Mm-hmm. That area is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a quick little two-mile loop. And and we've got our snowshoes. So we're like, let's pop them on and we'll just do this little two-mile loop. We did not understand the temperatures that we were walking into. Like negatives. Um, and he is immediately freezing. I think he's more, he works outside. He's got that Spanish blood. It's uh, not meant for cold weather. He's, he's in tune with his body. He was immediately like, this is bad. We should turn around. Now, was he shirtless with just suspenders? <laughs> yeah, that's never good. <laughs> Sub-zero Francisco weather. Francisco, <laughs> he does not like those t-shirts. Long hair, trimmed beard, no t-shirts. Very bare-chested kind of guy. So you guys are going snowshoeing on a, a two-mile loop, you said, at mm-hmm. sunset? Yeah, on a mountain ridge. Uh, but yeah, the sun setting, temperatures dropping. I feel fine. I'm taking pictures. I'm moving slow. He's like stopping his feet. Like we got to keep moving. We got to get back to the lodge. Right. He's very aware of the danger, the real danger that we're he's, in. Right. He's Dennis Quaid in the day after tomorrow, right? Yes. He's having a really hard time trying to save Jake Gyllenhaal. You know what I'm talking. You never oh, yeah. saw that movie. That's okay. That's but he's aware of the danger. He's the aware of the exposure. He's thinking about things, which I found out later. Like, could I put you over my shoulder with the snowshoes on? And based on the elevation <laughs> yeah. that we're at. Okay. <laughs> and I'm I'm literally spinning around taking pictures. I feel fine. Yeah. I felt warm. Well, well there's a, there's a moment. Yeah, because you're with Francisco, right? And why? What you're enraptured by his beautiful long hair and his lovely beard and his thick Spanish accent. Yeah, and the, and the first stage of freezing to death is feeling warm. It, feeling good about yourself. <laughs> it really is. I was I was oddly numb. My whole body. Yeah, well, he and, has that effect on me too. So, so. <laughs> so then you guys get back to the to the place. This very cute room with a little fireplace. Nice. I can't warm up. Oh I no! Cannot warm up. <laughs> My skin feels like ice. Oh, I I'm like, you know what? I think I need to get in the shower. Like I I, my skin is cold to the touch. And we've been in the room for like 20 minutes at this point and I'm still not warm. So I get in the shower and um, and there's hives. I take my clothes off hives all over my legs, purple all over my legs. And I'm staring and I'm like, I didn't feel this when I was outside. I was wearing snow pants. I was wearing smart wool. You were enraptured by the pink sunset. I was and taking the, pictures of the yeah. sunset. I was like, you know what? I've got better gear than my, as, <laughs> my as, boyfriend. As he flirted with you, and you flirted with frostbite. Yeah, there you go. Okay. <laughs> getting real I'm, close. I'm glad, I'm glad he got you back in time. Good on him. Saved, you saved yeah. your life. We you were, at least you saved your toes. You still have 10? Yeah, you still yeah. got 10 of them? Because okay. we were, we were yeah. going to have to call you Laura No Toes moving <laughs> oh my forward. Oh, Sorry, sorry, it's not flat. All right, uh, Andrew A plus, Nate Connors A plus, my friend, for being the best looking guy in the building. Oh, thank you, you, thank you. I I am today. Laura A plus for not freezing to death. Spike will give you solid C minus today. Solid C minus. Nice upbeat, positive. Didn't didn't make too many Trump jokes, but that's good. That's worked hard to be good today. Here's your quote of the day. Nice shooting, son. What's your name? 
let's back up like two steps here. I don't have another point to make. <laughs> <laughs> 